Hello, and welcome to this episode of Unvarnished. I'm Taylor Williams, your host and the creative director of Guts and Glory GNV, a live storytelling organization in Gainesville, Florida. This is a collaborative podcasting effort about stories and the people behind them, the stories behind them. And this collaboration is done with WUFT News, um, also here in Gainesville. Today, we're lucky to have Danny Holmes with us. Now, before I go on with that, is that the last name? Do you want to use that last name? Yeah. Danny sure. Holmes. Okay. I think it's too late for an alias. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> I okay. actually really like my name. Okay, yeah. If you want to yeah. come up with an alias, yeah, I feel like you would be an alias okay. kind of gal. But yeah, so think of one at some point. Um, uh, Virginia. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. We have Virginia <laughs> slash Danny Holmes with us here in the booth. AKA. And she, yeah, AKA, that's right. And she told a story with us in one of our October shows called Unrequited. And Unrequited was a really um, sort of sought after show. I feel like a lot of people wanted to see that show and, and be in it. So we had four amazing cast members. Um, and we may have to repeat that theme. It was a good one. I think it was pretty good. I think everyone kind of has an unrequited love story. Yeah. And it brought up a lot of stuff for a lot of people. So yeah. It was it was pretty cool. It was an interesting night. Yes, it was. And, right. I know that that was it was a great night. And I um I think our audience and the tellers got a lot out of that show. Um, hopefully about unrequited and requited love. That was the hope. Yes. Yeah. That was like the cheapest therapy session I ever had. <laughs> I it was great. That. I love when you said that. That was so great. And you weren't the only person who said that. So that was good. We're happy to provide cheap therapy through yeah. storytelling. That's basically what you we're here absolutely for. absolutely promote that. Yes. That's yes. what this podcast is for, ladies and gentlemen, Mental health too. is important, people. It is. Yes. <laughs> Even over the airwaves. Um, there are different ways of doing it, right? Yes. So, um, Danny, before we get into our interview with you, we want to hear about your background and your experience of telling a story um, with us on stage. Why don't we get right into the recording of your story, and then we'll be back in a second to talk with you. Sounds great. <laughs> So uh, I know this sounds really ironic, but I actually consider myself to be a pessimistic romantic. You see, let me explain. I believe in fairy tales and, and, and happy endings. I just don't think it's ever gonna happen to me. <laughs> now for that, I blame romantic comedies. And Chris, of course. You see, I went to high school in small town Georgia where everything was literally black and white. You see, white people listen to, you know, country and rock and pop, and black people listen to hip-hop and R&B, and nobody really deviated from that because it was weird. But see, I, I grew up in an eclectic household where you can walk into five different rooms and hear five different types of music, and we watched all different kinds of movies, and that diversity is ultimately what defined me. So when Chris walked into the classroom, being a transfer our senior year of high school, I thought he was just like everybody else in my class who looked like they rolled out of a DMX video. <laughs> Granted, I mean, I did recognize he was kind of cute. <laughs> but me being the pessimist that I am, I just put it out of my mind, Danny, you don't have a chance. Let it go. 
So to my surprise, he actually sits down in the vacant seat that's next to me. Here we go, that romantic comedy meet cute. And I say, hey, what's up? Um, you know, and he does his little cute little head nod, like, what's up? And my friend sitting next to me goes, he is fine, he is fine. <laughs> and I'm like, he yeah, all right. Just... So to my surprise, he pulls out his Walkman, and yes, I'm that old before you judge me. <laughs> he pulls out his Walkman, and he immediately starts playing this song, and I recognize it immediately. Wait a minute, that's, that's Green Day. That's Give Me Novocaine. That's not even a single, he's a Green Day fan. I freaking love Green Day. So immediately I start singing along and he looks over me and he gives me a nod and we both start singing and well, the rest was history. We started talking about the music that we love, the art, the movies. I wasn't that weird anymore. Hanging out with my friends became so much easier because my friends became his friends and I wasn't the weird, awkward, third or fifth wheel masking my loneliness with comedy and optimism. I had somebody now. But it wasn't officially official, and I knew that, and I was fine, but you know, being around Chris still made it easy. So this one Saturday morning, he calls me, which I think is weird, because kids don't wake up on Saturday mornings. Doesn't happen. And he asked if he could come over. Hell yeah, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, that's fine. So he comes over and we decide, since we're always talking about music, let's watch movies tonight. So we go to Blockbuster back when it was a thing. Yeah. Yes, I am that old. So we go back to Blockbuster and we decide to rent our favorite movies that had the most impact in our lives. And of course, me being the hopeless romantic that I am, I chose my favorite romantic comedy, My Best Friend's Wedding. And Chris being Chris chose the first three Rocky movies. <laughs> which are very sentimental movies if you watch them and pay very close attention, they really are. So I explained to Chris after we watched the Rocky Marathon and he was all pumped up shadow boxing in my room that I really loved that movie because Julia Roberts' character reminded me of me. See, she was very pessimistic, but she had this guy that she was great friends with, and they went to college together. It was Dermot Mulroney's character. Now, I don't want to give too much about this movie away, because it is pretty awesome. You guys should check it out. But basically, they decide to make this pact that if neither one of them is married by 28, they'll marry each other. So a couple of weeks before her 28th birthday, she gets the call thinking, this is it. And initially, she's not wanting it. But instead of wishing her a happy birthday and proposing, he says, I've met the woman of my dreams and I'm madly in love with her and I'm getting married in a few weeks, you gotta be there. So of course this is the moment that Julia Roberts realizes that she's in love with him and she's gotta have him. And it just seemed so me. But you guys should have seen Chris's face at the end of this movie. You related to her? You know, yeah, cause I'm kind of the girl that never gets the guy. 
Nah, you're not like that. Oh? <laughs> nah, you see, she was, she was awful, and y'all, she was. And you're not like that. You're kind, you're sweet. That's why I like calling you beautiful, because you got a beautiful soul. Thanks. <laughs> I quickly changed the subject because, well, my awkwardness and my pessimism set in, and I just told myself he was being nice. So to make sure I didn't end up like Julia Roberts' character, he makes a deal with me. A, so since 30 is your scary age, and that's when you're going to stop putting your career aside and have your family. <laughs> if we're not married by 30, I'll marry you. Deal, I said. Inevitably, our conversations went back to music. And so he asked me what I was listening to. And I said, you know, some of this and that. But really, I was listening to ridiculous songs that I would have made fun of before Chris. I mean, have you guys ever heard of Kobe Calais' Bubbly? <laughs> this song is ridiculous. I mean, been away for a while now. Got me feeling like a child now. Cause every time I see your bubbly face, I get the feeling in a silly place. But then after I met Chris, it became, it starts in my toes, makes me wink of my nose. Wherever it goes, I always know. I heard music a little differently, so I thought this was my opportunity to tell him everything I was feeling, so I put my whole heart in this CD. And then we started talking about why he came over in the first place, and he told me that his dad was back in town, and I didn't understand why that was such a bad thing. And then he made me realize that his dad wasn't very good to his mom, and he didn't even hide the fact that he would see other women. And he just didn't want to be around that, Chris. So I understood, and I told him he was more than welcome to stay or come and go as ever he wanted, because, you know. But he realized it was getting a little late and decided to leave. And as I walked him to the door and I looked back, I saw the CD that I made for him. And I know that he didn't leave it on purpose. I picked it up, looked at it, thought about it, thought about running him down. But then I realized what he needed more than anything was a friend. And so I was that. A couple of weeks after that, one of my good friends, Alex, asked me, so what's up with you and Chris? I said, you know, I told her the half truth. You know, he's cool, he's nice, we're friends. I'm in love with him. Um, <laughs> I left that part out. And so she was like, so hook us up. Now, because I love them both, I did. And they were a match made in hell, y'all. <laughs> Listen, my favorite fight that they ever got into was actually one of their last, okay? <laughs> she broke up with him so that she could go and find somebody else on MySpace. <laughs> Again, yes, I'm that old, stop judging. And I thought to myself, as if, <laughs> who gets better than Chris? <laughs> Nobody. Um, 
So this was a couple of weeks before our grad night. I don't know if Disney still does this, but they used to shut down the park for seniors. And seniors from all over the country used to go, and they would have these parties, and they could ride the rides. But what I was interested in was the concert, because I'm a music fan. And so Chris wasn't going to go, but I was like, look, everyone is going to go to these parties so that they can rhythmically dry hump strangers <laughs> Why don't we go to this concert and thrash it out? And so I got him, and we did. One of the songs that was playing was Fifi Dobson's Everything. It was one of the songs that I had put on that CD, and it was all about this girl being strong enough to confront the guy that she likes, telling him to make a move. And I got that flip in my stomach, you know, when you have that moment. And you know what, guys? It really was our moment. We totally kissed. <laughs> we actually made out the rest of that night and well into the morning and fell asleep in each other's arms on the bus on the way home. A couple of rows ahead of us, I saw my friend Alex, AKA Chris's ex-girlfriend, and she had been crying all night. You see, the guy that she had left Chris for stood her up at grad night and she spent the whole night looking for him. And I guess seeing the two of us together really didn't help matters much. We felt bad, but she broke up with him, so it was okay, right? Chris and I had made plans that afternoon to hang out together, but that afternoon quickly turned into that evening, and then when Chris came over, I could tell there was something on his mind. I don't want to be like him. Chris, you're nothing like your dad. You and Alex were broken up. Nah, you're not hearing me. I don't, I don't want to be like him. I wouldn't talk to Alex. Oh? To put it lightly, they um, got back together. I was devastated. I threw Chris out, and I spent the rest of the weekend on the floor listening to Aretha Franklin. Graduation came and went. Because I have an inability to hold a grudge, I forgave Chris, but our friendship was never the same after that, until I got to my 30th birthday. Now, turning 30 for me was not fun. I did not have the career that made my heart sing. I did not have the significant relationship I thought I would be in. I was sad and alone and dreading turning 30. And honestly, I didn't give Chris and our pact a second thought until I saw my phone ring. And as soon as I saw his name, I knew that I would say yes. Even though I hadn't talked to him in years, I would say yes, because then I could stop waiting for my life to start, and that would be my life. I was going to say yes after he wished me a happy birthday and made good on his pact. But he didn't call me to propose. He called me to tell me happy birthday and that he met the love of his life, and they were expecting their first kid. <laughs> that was so awesome. I was so happy for you. <laughs> uh, I was way past faking optimism at that point. And he asked me what was wrong. And I told him how sad and lonely and broken and empty I felt. And even though I said that pretty articulately right then, I'm pretty sure it sounded a little something like, <laughs> And then you were supposed 
doesn't need my second chance, but you went and got married, so now I don't know what I'm gonna do. Beautiful. I'm so sorry that you're hurting, he said. His response was perfect. But I'm so proud of you. What? You never became that Julia Roberts. You're still sweet, compassionate, and you have that beautiful soul. And I bet you still have that gorgeous smile. And you never settled for anything less than what you deserved. Not the career that didn't make your heart flip. Not the relationship for the sake of not being alone. I'm proud of you for that. I never thought about it that way. And I hadn't, but in that moment I made a pact to myself that I would start chipping away at that pessimism so I would whittle it down to just that romantic side. So if you guys would do me a favor and like let me know if you know of any leading men who <laughs> need a leading lady, send them my way, okay? Thank you. So how did your story end? You're, like, I'm remembering, like, the beautiful. So I'm 30, and I decided to pick myself up off the ground and make that pact with myself right. that, you the know, pact I'm going to stop being so pessimistic and, and kind of brighten my outlook on life and come to the realization that 30 really isn't that scary. You know, right. 30 right. is not that old right. yes, exactly. at all. You know, so there are still opportunities and times for me to do all the things that I want to do, including fall madly in love with someone. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, that was the, the eye opener for me to change my perspective on that. Yes, absolutely. So and you're you're uh, what was so beautiful about the end. Um, I mean, your whole story, but the end of the story is I feel like it left the audience and listeners with this overwhelming feeling of hope, like, partly out of your honesty about the story and just kind of, I don't know, the pain, like everyone in there is just like, oh, should that should have worked. And then part of your heart is also like, wait, but maybe it isn't because maybe it wasn't supposed to work because right. of what Danny got from it. And you were so good about wrapping it up in a way that shows like this, okay, onward yeah. feeling. Which is what I really, really wanted. I really wanted that fellow deep down romantic to hear that story mm -hmm. and say, you know what, it's it's okay to feel lonely sometimes. And that loneliness does not have to define me. Um, right. Because that's really what I needed and didn't have before that conversation happened. So I really did want to end a story happily single. Yes. Because how often do you see that? Right. So true. Cer certainly yeah. not in a... You know, you make this great analogy f to a movie, and movies don't no. in that way. Mm -mm. There's, I, I can't think of one, honestly, where, you know, hmm. the girl doesn't get the guy and it's not the end of the world. Yep. You know, it, people need to know that that's okay. And happily, I love this quote, but it's kind of devastating to some people too, but happily ever after is not the end of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, even yeah. the best relationships, let's say you're married to somebody for 50 years, your entire lives, 
even that story ends with a death, unfortunately. And it's it's a dark way to look sure. at it, but no, it doesn't no. take anything away from those 50 years and that beautiful mm. relationship that they had. Yep. You know, it, yeah. there's there's always that light in the darkness. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's there's an end to everything that's that's good. Yeah. Too, right? And I that's such a that's such an incredible insight to be able to have and I feel like you know, it's loneliness is so powerful. Oh, yes. Right. It's mm-hmm. a really powerful force. And I feel like I remember reading maybe this in the last 10 years or something that loneliness was being considered an epidemic. And I actually wow. think that's a really I know it's like a really soul crushing way to look at it. But it, yeah. it feels accurate. I think we struggle with a lot of things that we label as other things, mm-hmm. but they are. Um, it's loneliness a lot of times. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So for me in my current journey where I am right now, I am learning how to find comfort in that loneliness Mm -hmm. and and be okay with it. But it's it's really hard when the people around you seem to have that someone, seem to be in relationships or married. You know, I'm at that part of my life where my friends are getting pregnant on purpose. And, you know, I'm (laughs) just excited to have a new puppy. You know, right. Those things like that. And it's okay. I think um, the biggest thing that holds people back and hurts people is their comparison. Yep. I'm not there in that point in my life and not even just with relationships, but just, you know, in right. a general sense, that comparison to somebody else's life yep. is is often what, what holds you back and hurts you. But the loneliness can be a devastating, powerful thing, and it can be a beautifully powerful thing. Absolutely. And the key is to find that happiness and that loneliness. And I really wanted mm-hmm. to end that story on a true but hopeful note. So I'm so glad that that came across. Oh, yeah. There were people who came up and they're like, so how happily married is Chris? <laughs> <laughs> No, guys, come on. I mean, as weird as it sounds, as much as I love him and appreciate, you know, that relationship and what it meant to me, I want even more for them to have their happily ever after. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. I want them to have that. I would never want to take that away from somebody. And I think that's why he didn't want me to be Julia Roberts' character. Because that's pretty much what she did in the movie. You know, she tried to sabotage that relationship because she felt entitled to the male lead and his love. No, I've known him longer. I know him better. Right. He's supposed to be with me. And, um, you know, I appreciated even more Chris's stance to, no, you don't need to be that girl. Mm -hmm. You're not that girl. And he knew you and cared for you enough to say that. Yeah. And then to call you at this, like, critical moment. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, so painful but so beautiful at the Mm -hmm. same time. It was. I mean, we had not had a decent conversation in over 10 years. It's remarkable. Before I had gotten that call. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the thing, you know what people say about, like, sometimes if you love someone, you have to let them go or, like, you know, (laughs) set them free or whatever, however it feels sometimes. and. Sometimes that can be true, and I feel like your story is a really powerful example of that kind of thing, but you both did that with each other right. in your own way. Yeah. I think I think he needed to have that conversation as well, you know, not just right. for me, no, but to kind of give himself that peace, too. Yep. There were, he makes that call because there's a part of him yeah. that might need, like, your 
maybe not your permission, but your blessing or just that he told you. He was the one who told you, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And I think he still on some level felt bad about the way that things ended between us. And he knows that, you know, that was the thing that kind of put a rift in our friendship. Even though I forgave him, you know, when we went on with our lives, you don't forget when you forgive, you know, and it was mm-hmm. it was hard for us to go back to the friendship that we had before after all of that had happened as fast as it did, you know, but um, I still love him to death. I still appreciate everything that he's represented in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a part of finding that acceptance in your loneliness is when you realize that not everybody is supposed to love you forever. Oh, you know, I think the yeah. best analogy and this is going to sound crazy but Tyler Perry's character Medea <laughs> I already like where this is going <laughs> yes so um oh and I forget the name of the play but um her nephew Medea's nephew is just recently heartbroken wife cheated on him and left him with nothing basically and he's mm-hmm. sitting on the couch and listening to really soulful old music mm-hmm. and you know she kind of sits down and has this wise conversation with him and one of the main things that she said is like you know love is is like a tree you know some people are supposed to be in your life like a tree now some people are like leaves that fall with the seasons and constantly change Hmm. and then there are people who are like those branches on that tree who seem like they're really strong and can handle a lot of weight but as soon as you lean on them they break Hmm. you need to find people who are like the root of that tree they're not going anywhere yep You know, even if that number is small, at least it's real. Yeah, small but real. Sometimes we need, yeah, that's like a, that root system has to be really Mm -hmm. intact, you know. And it sounds like Chris is one of your roots, actually, even though things didn't end up in sort of the fairy tale way um, that they could have. It was that it sounds like they they weren't meant to. Yeah. But he can still be like a root. And like, you, you, what was the word you used? He's been um, such a symbol of yes. so many things, which is important. Yeah. yeah. I go back to that that conversation a lot. Um, but I, I'm lucky enough to have other roots too. And I had to realize mm. that. Like my family is crazy and loud <laughs> and hilarious. I call us the, the small African tribe. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, my sister's procreated and they have lots of babies and now their babies are starting to have babies. So we're really big. Um, But it is impossible to be lonely, not just because it's so many people. (laughs) Not necessarily by by choice. um, They're very soulful people. They're very Mm. aware people, even the youngest of them. Mm. Um, So it's it's impossible to feel alone because there's so much love and personality in that family that. You know, that's my root. Right yeah, there. yes, yeah. exactly. And we, um, some of our listeners know one of your roots for sure, because your mom, oh, yes. Faye Williams, was also um, on this podcast and on the stage and was just like so beloved by our audience. So it's clear, like, you know, the minute she got off the stage, I remember she said, my daughter needs to do this. And that you had, you know, helped her kind of craft her story and practice it. Um, And it's really beautiful to see those kinds of partnerships. This has been Unvarnished, a podcast about real stories, the lives behind them, and the lessons we learn from sharing them. Thanks for listening.